blessing to have the opportunity to preach this evening. Um, so, definitely don't take it lightly. Um, this evening we're going to be uh, starting in uh, Romans chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Romans chapter 10. Uh, but wanted to kind of go over a brief introduction as we get into the message this evening. Uh, we're actually going to be touching on a few different passages as we kind of look through a theme that actually does run through the Bible and it has some different highlights and different um, aspects to, to draw out from this. Um, but this evening I want to just kind of talk, you know, begin with, with a, a thought and just kind of get you guys to think about um, the concept of beauty. Now, when we think about, especially in our culture, we have a, a, a really bad perception when it comes to beauty in our culture. Um, our culture doesn't really seem to understand true beauty. Um, and, and in many cases, beauty and, and attraction or the, the thing that appeals to you, those are kind of conflated together. Um, and one thing I just, as we're kind of getting into the subject, um, one thing I noticed that was very, very interesting is, and I'm sure probably ladies have gone through this study more than guys have, but in Proverbs 31, as God is describing a woman or like a precious woman, one thing I noticed is that the concept of beauty or what you would find maybe physically attractive isn't a positive in that passage. And all the positive characters, characteristics of a woman or of an individual have to do with her character or with her conduct. And in our culture, we kind of got that backwards. Much of what our culture looks at for beauty is, is what you see. Um, but in Proverbs 31, it says this, Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. And, and this idea of, of beauty and attraction, our world has all messed up. And as we start looking at ideas of beauty, in many cases, when we hear the idea of beauty and we hear the idea, sometimes we get so drawn into our culture's perception of that that when we start thinking of beauty, we, we sometimes don't have the right ideas. Um, and I just wanted to draw that out as we, as we introduce this concept, because in Romans chapter 10, we're going to read a very familiar passage. And, and I want you to, to realize something that God calls beautiful. And this is something that God describes as beautiful. And I want to take his word for it. But I want you to listen to this, and we're going to start reading... In, in Romans chapter 10, verses 9, we're going to read through chapter, verse 16, but I want you to, to listen and pay attention to this. So, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent. Now, this is the focus I want to have on this, this evening's message, is this. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them 
that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our reports? Now, as we focus in on that, that verse there, we're going to highlight that phrase, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So if you would pray with me as we'll get into this evening's message. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I thank you for the truth that you've been uh, revealing to me through this me- passage and through this message and study. I pray, Father, that as we go through your word, that you would help us to each uh, walk closer to you um, and, and be more bold in our presentation of the gospel. We pray, Father, that you'd bless this evening's message. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So as I, as I was reading this passage, the, the, it stuck out to me. Like, obviously, this is a very, very familiar passage to, to most anybody who's any time studying the Bible or listening to preaching. But the phrase, kind of, it struck me recently, the, the idea of like, how beautiful are the feet. And, and this, again, goes into the idea of when I was thinking about, you know, beautiful and attractiveness and all this other stuff. But feet just aren't, right? Like, when I think about feet, I, I just think it's so interesting. And for me, this is almost like a, a highlighting contrast or this, like, this, this idea of, like, feet are beautiful. And, and, like, you know, God finds feet beautiful, you know, not just any feet, but, you know, feet that preach the gospel of peace. But it, it was just interesting to me that I started looking at the idea of, like, you know, feet and beauty. They just, they, the, the idea just doesn't match, mesh with me. It's just, you know, when you think about feet, they're kind of gross, they're disgusting. And, you know, it's like, oh, who took off their socks? So put those back on. Oh, you need to take a bath, you know, wash your feet. Uh, for me, when I think about feet, they're just kind of gross and disgusting. It's not something that I'm going to say, oh, beautiful feet. Those are such pretty feet. It, it just doesn't really go... To, now, I know some people like feet or their oats, whatever, I don't care. The point is, when we look at, at the idea of feet, we don't really think of that. That's not the first thing that clicks in our mind when we think about beauty, right? You don't think about beautiful feet. You know, some people go all out of the way to kind of make their feet dressed up and look nice, but they're still feet. I don't care how much polish you put on them, it, they're still feet. And you can put as much lotion on those, they're still feet. And this idea, when we look at this idea of the, the you know, how beautiful are the feet, this isn't the first time this is actually brought up in Scripture. This is actually referencing verses in the Old Testament, and this is an idea that is, is being referenced. If you go back, the, the direct correlation goes back in Isaiah. And in Isaiah 52, 7, I'm going to read that here. It says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. It, it's this message, it's, it's repeated, and it's the idea of, like, the, the, the message that's being brought forth is, is beautiful. And it's like, and, and really, as, as we look at the passages here in, in Romans and even back in Isaiah, and it, there's also another reference in Nahum, as it references the feet of those that are bringing the message. When you think about it, I, I think about that song, you know, um, you know that, the, the, the song where, Be careful little eyes what you see. 
Be careful little eyes. But who remembers the, the, the part about feet? Be careful little feet where you go. Right? And, and the idea here is when we're looking at the, the, the beauty of this kind of being introduced here, it's, it's the fact that the feet are going somewhere with a message from God. And, and as we start getting into the idea of the beauty of these feet, it, it's, it's introducing the fact that it's not the feet themselves, but the, the instrument that God created to carry the message. And it's, it's introducing the idea that it's really not the feet that are beautiful. It's, those are the instruments that God created to bring a message. But as they bring that message, they're beautiful because they're being used for the purpose that God created them for. So as something is being used the way God intended it to be used, he finds that beautiful. So now we have these, message, these feet bearing the message, and these prophets in the Old Testament are bearing the message out across the land of God's salvation and, and God's message of, of good news and good tidings, proclaiming peace around the nation, proclaiming them, again, the message of salvation, following after Christ, following after the coming Messiah, following God's commandments. The, the prophets that are carrying those messages, as they use their feet to go to the mountains, those are beautiful. Now, as we take that message, it, it's consistent as God is talking about the feet of the Old Testament prophets that is referencing the fact that they're taking the message. Um, and as we get into the, the New Testament, it's kind of interesting as I was looking over how feet and Jesus and feet interact and the messages around feet. And as we think about how these messages are taken around, it, it introduces... Um, another side of, of this message being taken out. And want to turn first to Matthew chapter 10. And this is a passage that's repeated in Mark and Luke as well. But if you look at Matthew chapter 10, and we're going to read in verse 14, Matthew 10, 14, it says this, And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words, when you depart out of that house or city, Shake off the dust of your feet. Now, in the context here, these are the instructions when Jesus is giving instructions to the disciples to go out and proclaim the kingdom of heaven. And as Jesus is giving the disciples these instructions, if you go back earlier into the passage, um, it starts off in verse 9, you know, or in verse 8, um, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils, Freely have you, you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses, nor script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. And into whatsoever city or town you shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till you go thence. And when you come into a house, salute it. If the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Now, the idea in this is, as, as the disciples are going into the city, they're going to preach the gospel of the coming kingdom. And as they're going around that city, if, if you think about the dust, the dust is just kind of like the stuff you pick up on your journey. 
as you're walking around the... How many of you ever... Now, I don't get to do it all around here, like walking around bare feet, but I love walking barefoot. When I was a kid, we, we had like out in the middle of nowhere, you know, dirt, fields, grass. I hated shoes. I despised them. I would go everywhere I could barefoot. Now, around here, I don't want to do that because you've seen the streets around here. Some of the stuff gets on there. Even if they're clean, you know, every other day I'm seeing a broken glass bottle out somewhere. And it's like, I know as I walk around, I'm going to get like a bunch of like something nasty on my feet here. But in Idaho, where I grew up, I walk around all the time. Now, when I would get in from walking around outside, my feet were gross. And not just feet gross, they were gross, gross. Like, I had to clean them, and I washed them off. They were, they were like, just tons and layers and layers of dirt. And I had to wash my feet, because they, they picked it all up. And I picked up the dirt from where I was. And a lot of this here, when, when you think about the, the concept and message being born out here, when the disciples entered into a city, and they walked about the city, they would pick up the dirt of the city. And if they came to a house or they came in there and the city rejected the message of peace and they didn't want to hear the gospel, when they turned to leave the city, they would knock off the dust on their feet. Now, customarily, if you were received in, the, the custom would be that they would welcome you into the home. They would wash your feet as a, a gesture of, you know, taking care of a, of a guest in their home. And they would wash your feet for you. But these disciples, if they weren't received into a home... They would knock off the dust on their feet. And the idea was that, like, this junk I picked up in your city, the sin I picked up walking through your city, I'm dusting it off. I'm I'm leaving it with you. It's staying with you. I'm not taking your sin with me. I'm taking my peace with me, my message of peace. It's, you don't want it. You're not accepting it. It's going back with me. And the dust and the sin that they wanted to stay in, it stayed with them. The dust of their feet, it would knock off, and it was as a judgment against them. <coughs> in verse 15, it says this, Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. So Jesus is saying, they, they had the message before them. They reject it. You leave the dust with them. And the passage is repeated in Mark 6. It says the same thing. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you, when you depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And in Luke chapter 9, verse 5. Now I'm reading a, a few verses here. So in Luke... In Luke 9, I just want, to hear, hear, want you to hear this repeated. And whosoever will not receive you, when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet for a testimony against them. And so, repeatedly, as Jesus, you know, and the disciples brought this up. It, it was repeated multiple times where it's like, hey, you know, shake off the dust. It's a testimony against them where they're not accepting the message. And, and it's introducing, and it's kind of carrying this idea of, of Jesus and the feet and the message um, that's being carried with the, with the feet as you're bringing that in. And then, kind of as a, a shift here, I want you to turn in Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. This is a very interesting 
account um, as we start looking through the New Testament regarding feet and beauty and the message. I want you to start here in verse 36 of, of Luke chapter 7. It says this, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now, when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he, to whom he forgave most, and he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath wiped, or hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointments. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Now, as we look at this idea here, um, I, I, I realize this woman here, as I'm reading this passage, and I'm reading the story of her account and her story here, and I don't know if any of you just saw that there, it would appear to me that she thought Jesus' feet were very beautiful. As she was brought low and brought humble, she was at, his, at Jesus' feet. And she wasn't just doing what was required for custom. Like, oh, I give you water because you're in my house. You can wash your feet. Here's a towel. You know, maybe they're nice and had a servant do it. No. She brought in, and it was her tears. She was weeping so much. Her tears provided enough to be able to wipe his feet and wash his feet. And she used her hair, and she used ointment, and brought that in as a sign of, of, of her broken heart and, and her contrition toward Jesus. And she's washing his feet, you know, with her hair and with her tears. And, and for me, as, I, as I'm looking at that story for, for her, I, I just have to imagine as she's coming in contact with Jesus, she's finding something very beautiful about his feet. The message he was bringing to her was so beautiful. And it was causing her to have this outward expression of her love and her gratitude for his forgiveness. And I want to uh, read one more passage, and then we're going to tie it all in together with with Romans here. But I want you to turn to to John 13. 
And we want to kind of get the, the last part of this picture when it comes to, to, to the message and feet and beauty. But here in John 13, we're going to start reading um, verse 4. He says, He rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. We're talking about Jesus here. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. (coughs) Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not to save, needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. Now, as we look at the idea here of washing feet, now, just to touch on this, there are some fringe groups that act as if if this is like a third ordinance, like baptism and Lord's Supper. It's not. It's, we have baptism and Lord's Supper. Baptism is your outward expression of faith. You're demonstrating your faith and showing it. And the Lord's Supper is a communion we partake with one another in remembrance of, of Christ's sacrifice and what he gave. Uh, we just said that last week. There's not like a commandment to repeat the feet washing. It's not in there. The idea, though, is when we think about the washing of the feet... Again, it kind of ties into the idea of as disciples were going around and about. If you think about, like, as you wash, and again, this is like when I was a little kid. I could be washed and clean, and I run around in my bare foot, bare, bare feet, even at the house. You could get up in the morning, wash your feet, walk around the house for a couple hours without putting on some shoes. Your feet are dirty, right? Now, does that mean you have to go in and take a whole other shower? No. You just go in, wipe off your feet. You might be able to grab a washcloth, wipe them off grab a paper towel, wipe them off, you're good to go, right? The idea here is we're not talking about, oh, you need to get completely all washed again, or, oh, man, you know, you were walking around in the junk of the world for a while, you need to wash away all of your sin, you need to get saved again. No, you're already clean, you're already washed. You're just going to go in and get cleansed of the dirt that you've picked up. Right? So, as we're walking in our lives, in our day-to-day lives, it's the whole concept of John, you know, First John. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As we go about our lives on earth here, we're going to pick up junk and we're going to be disobedient. We're going to have issues. And we come to Jesus, we're going to get cleansed, right? But it's not an ordinance, but it's, it's a picture that... That's, you know, where we come to Jesus. He washes our feet. We get cleansed of the stuff we pick up. Now, all together here, as, as we're looking at this passage here of Romans, Romans 10, when it says, you know, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. It, it's, it's, as I was looking through all these different aspects, these different stories, and these elements that come together, Again, we touched on it with the message of of the Old Testament prophets. In reality, 
It's not the beauty of the feet. It's the fact that the feet were being used for the intended purpose that God created them. As the feet are being used to do that message. And as you think about the disciples, as we get into the New Testament, we're introduced to the idea of, of feet and cleanliness. It, again, it's not the feet that are beautiful. The feet are the instrument that God uses or that God intends to use for us to carry our, his message to the world. And that message is peace, the gospel of peace. And as we go into places and we have our peace or we have God's peace as a message to present to the world and we say God's peace is available to you, if those that are there decide to reject that message and not hear it, we walk away from them and we let them stay in their sin. We don't force our belief on them. We don't put a knife to their throats and say, you have to believe this. We don't take them captive. We walk away, maybe brokenhearted, wishing, I wish you would listen to me. This isn't, I'm not, I don't hate you. I have, a, I have good news for you. But if they, don't want to, if they don't want to hear the message, we walk away from it. And then, as we walk through the world, again, the idea is that we go back to Jesus for cleansing from our day-to-day lives as we look at the idea of, of the feet and what they pick up in our lives. Uh, but again, I, I believe the woman there, as she's washing Jesus' feet with her tears and her hairs, I think that kind of like encapsulates the beauty of the feet. Because again, you know, as... I'm picturing this just... If you took the message to somebody and if somebody is getting the message of salvation and they accept that message and they get saved and they're brokenhearted, what is the position typically, right? It's at the feet. And not to praise the person, but you, you know, in many cases, if you're hearing the message and you're seeing somebody's feet, you probably would find those person that you brought this message to me. Your feet are beautiful. They carried the message to me and those are beautiful. And I think that's part of the picture here. Um, but it also goes into the idea of, of when we think about feet, they're, they're not inherently beautiful. Again, it's the idea that as a foot or as your feet are carrying the message to somebody of what God has for them, the contrast is there. It's, it's not the feet that are beautiful. It's the fact that they're being used the way God made them to be used. They're taking the message of God to other people. And that's what God made our feet for. Now, the interesting thing was here, and this is kind of more of a, a thought as you look at the passage, the gospel of peace. I, I, one, I, I saw that first contrast of beauty and feet. But I think there's another contrast here that's it's, it's kind of not as like in your face. But think about this for a moment. The gospel of peace bring glad tidings of good things. When you think about the gospel of peace, in, in many cases, I, I would say, you know, when you think about the gospel of peace, you might have some individuals like a Joel Olstein that would say, you know, see, we're supposed to bring gospel of peace and, and love and harmony. It's a good feeling. But think about this for a moment. If I have a message of peace for you, what does that really mean? If you turn in your, in your Bibles, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. 
and verse 15. Well, actually, verse 14. I want to read Ephesians 2.14 here. I want you to think about this in, in context of the gospel of peace. It says this in verse 14 of, of Ephesians chapter 2. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace so that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were far off, and to them that were nigh. Now, when you think about the gospel of peace, it's it's built on the, the fact that you're at war with God. When you think about the gospel of peace, It's not just, oh, be happy, peace, man, peace, bro. It's, hey, for a moment, I want you to, when you're presenting the gospel of peace to somebody, you're telling them, sir, ma'am, you're at war with God. You have enmity with God. Your sin requires God's judgment, and it's an affront to God. And the sin that you live in, you must turn from that sin if you want to have peace with God. And when we bring the gospel of peace to a person, we're bringing with that the message that you are under the condemnation of God and you face God's judgment. You're at war with God. You must make peace with God. Now, the good tiding of it is, the peace has already been made. It is finished. God, Jesus has already made peace through his blood on the cross. The message of peace is if you're willing to surrender and stop fighting against God and you're willing to accept him for who he is and recognize that you're a sinner before an almighty God. And when you accept that message of peace, you can find forgiveness from your sin and be restored in fellowship with God and be brought together and reconciled to God. Now, when we bring the message of peace, that's where it's, in some cases, when you think about it, first of all, this contrasting idea of feet and being beautiful. And sometimes I think when we get wrapped up, we understand this in our, in our heads, the idea that you know what, I'm confronting a person with the gospel. And I think in many cases that might be why, myself included, why we may not be as bold as we need to be. Because when we bring the message of the gospel of peace, we have to, we have to confront a person with the truth. And that can be hard. How, how many of you had a hard time when you got saved confronting the fact that you're a sinner and you needed it? That's not an easy message to take. And so many times I believe that maybe we're not as bold in preaching the gospel or taking the gospel to our friends, our loved ones, and our community because we're afraid of being turned away. 
Like those disciples when they went out to preach the gospel to the cities around them and preach the kingdom of heaven. They're preaching a very, very bold, dynamic message. Very countercultural. Wasn't popular. And they had to confront maybe even close loved ones. And as they're there, and then people would reject the message and they would have to turn from that and walk away from that one and leave the people in their judgments. It's not a good thought. It's not a good idea. But I believe when we look at that passage in Romans, when it's talking about, you know, the encouragement to go preach and to go proclaim the gospel and proclaim the gospel of peace, we have to realize that God made our feet to take a message to the world. And if you and I want to be pleasing to God and have God be pleased in our service, and if we want God to find our feet to be beautiful, we have to use them for the way, for the purpose He intended. If you, at some point in your life, were confronted with the gospel of peace and recognized that you were at war with God and accepted Christ's punishment and Christ's sacrifice on the cross, for your punishment and you were restored and reconciled to God who are we to refuse to follow God's commandments and share that, that message to the world see our, our feet are made for that purpose and when you accept Christ's salvation and God's salvation you go from being at war at enemy with God and we are given the power to become the sons of God We are reconciled to God. We are restored in fellowship to Him. But it is now our duty to take that message out to the world. And that is when when we look at that the gospel of peace and we look at the beauty of our feet. Again, our feet are nothing. Our feet are kind of gross. But it's kind of interesting to me that if we are obedient to God's command and we are obedient to take take the message out to the world that probably the most unappealing, unattractive part of us becomes beautiful in God's eyes. Our feet are made to send the message and take the message out into the world. And me, as I was looking through this passage, you know, it encouraged me, you know, when it comes to, you know, inviting coworkers, inviting family, talking to family and friends about it. It's not always easy. And when it comes time to, to take, out the, take the message out in the gospel tracts, right? Being out on the subways, being out in the summer heat, or being out during a street fair, handing out that gospel. It, it's not always easy. We need to make the time for it. I need to be more diligent about making time for it. Whether it's during the week, on the way into work, out in the subways. And how about on your own time? Out at the restaurants, out at the grocery stores. When you come into contact with a person, there are people that we see at least once a week. There's, there's some people you see at Starbucks so often that they probably think that your, your coffee is a part of your worship routine they see you so consistently they're getting your coffee 
but have we ever told them anything about the message of salvation? And I would, I would dare say that most of us, it comes down to the idea that, you know what, I don't want to confront somebody. I don't want to be confrontational. What if they don't want to hear the message? Is, is that our job to, to determine whether or not they want to hear the message? It's our job to tell them. If they don't want to hear, we don't force them. You don't pin them down and make them listen. But you have to give them the opportunity. We have to give them the opportunity. And it goes back to the idea here, and we think about, I just, I can't get out of my head the, 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 just the, the vision of this woman at Jesus' feet, you know, washing his feet as she, as she comes there in humble contrition, and she's, she's brokenhearted. And the most beautiful thing in that, in that woman's life were Jesus' feet. And I, I just can't imagine how excited she was because everybody in her culture dismissed her and wrote her off as a sinner. But when Jesus came in with the gospel of peace, he didn't just gloss over her sin. He said, yes, I recognize you're a sinner. But he gave her hope. He gave her salvation. He gave her the opportunity to turn from her sin and to turn toward reconciliation. He, he offered her the peace. And when she accepted it, she was restored in fellowship to God. He wasn't, she wasn't written off. All the people around her, specifically this Pharisee, I think it's interesting, a Pharisee, a religious person, should be the first person to be out there trying to get person fellowship and restore back to God. But he wrote her off as well, saying, oh, doesn't Jesus realize she's a sinner? Doesn't re- Jesus realize how horrible of a person she is? There's no way he could be a prophet. But Jesus is the ultimate prophet. I think even Andrew touched on this morning, the weeping prophet. Jesus was the culmination of every element of all the prophets. Like, any description of a prophet, it, would, it, it kind of almost foreshadowed the coming Messiah, the Messiah or the prophet that was coming. But when you think about Jesus, he's the ultimate prophet. And his message, as he brought those, that message, we see that his feet are the most beautiful feet. And it's not that we're going to be having people worship at our feet and be like, oh, look at my feet. I'm the person who brought the gospel to you. No. God's going to look at our feet and say, you know what? Those feet are beautiful. So the, the challenge this evening, as we, as we close in the message, as you, as you think about this one, and I, I believe that all of us could, could work on this, um, is how are we at proclaiming the message? How are you at taking the message to the world? What areas can you be more faithful? Next, next Sunday is going to be a perfect opportunity for all of us to be here and go out in church-wide visitation. To go out and participate in that. And it seems so simple, right? I'm just giving a person a piece of paper. No. You're out there proclaiming the gospel of peace to people. And when you're out being faithful doing that, that is going to be pleasing to God. You're going to be honoring God in your faithfulness. Because again, what, did our, what were our feet made for? Our feet were made to serve the Lord. Our feet were made to take the message out. 
So this evening, if you're saved, if you're a member here, be faithful when the opportunities are there. Look at the schedules. Sometimes the schedule doesn't fit our work week or our schedules. Make time. Maybe there's a person you could go with. Maybe, hey, you know what? This week doesn't work for me. Brother Andrew, who could I go with this week that's got another wonky schedule like mine? You know, the, the work schedule doesn't work for me on this train. Who, who, who else needs to go out? Maybe we need to be more, we need to be more proactive in it. I'm not even going to say maybe. We need to be more proactive in it. We need to be out there when we have the opportunity. And if we don't have that, connect. Brother Andrew, would it bother you if we all called you this week and said, hey, I can't make it for visitation on this time. Who can go this time with me? How about we all do that this week? And maybe not just this week. Maybe going forward. Right? Brother Leland, your schedules are kind of wonky, right? You're working all these weird jobs. Do all the schedules fit your time perfectly? Maybe not. Well, how about you go at 12 a.m. in the morning before you go to work? Get up extra early, right? We make it work. We make the time and make the schedule. We make it fit there. We can't find these excuses anymore. We, we can't just go by because the, the, the beginning part of that is, yes, it's beautiful, but you have to go back to that because it's, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The message for, is for anybody, right? It doesn't exclude anybody. The message of salvation is for anybody. But they need to hear. And that's our job. That preaching there, it's not just my job. It's not just pastor's jobs. It's not just Brother Andrew's job. It's not Leland's job. It's our job. All of us. So this week, that would be the first challenge is that your takeaway. Look at the bulletin, the schedule. The scheduled times, if it doesn't work, blow up Brother Andrew's cell phone this week. And do that every week. And make a plan to go out. And if something is crazy wonky, you're out of town, you can still be faithful in message. The people you come in contact with, our coworkers, the people that we see at our grocery store every week, we have the same grocery stores. You go to the same place, you shop at the same time. You see the same people week in, week out. We spend more time talking about the weather than anything else because that's just, you know, the one thing that's okay to talk about. Can't talk about politics or that will stone you right now, right? But you have to be bold in your declaration of that one. And don't be afraid to confront people with it. Because again, when you think about the message, you are, you are letting them know they're at war with God. But it's not just ending there. You're letting them know that the war was ended by God himself. Jesus finished it on the cross. And we have the opportunity to have peace with Christ and peace with God through the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. So this week, you know, we're going to wrap up the message this evening. But as you think about the message and you think about our responsibility, I encourage you that this week. That's, that's our first responsibility is to do that this week. To make a plan. And, and all of us, we make, a, we make a plan to, to get our hours in at work. If you, ha- if you have a struggle getting your 40 hours, you're going to find a way to get that in, right? When you, take, when you take a class at school, if you missed a class, you're going to do everything you can to do a makeup test. Why don't you put that same effort and diligence into proclaiming the gospel of peace? So that God can find your feet to be beautiful. And 
Finally, if, if you're here this evening and you have not accepted Christ as your Savior, the gospel of peace is here for you. And the gospel of peace is this. Our sin puts us at enmity with God. Christ died on the cross to pay for our sins. And if we come to him and ask forgiveness and we admit that we can't do it on our own and we, we trust in the work of Christ on the cross, God will save us. God will forgive us of our sins. If you've not accepted that message, make peace with God today. There's no reason you should walk out of those doors at war with God. No reason. And there's no reason if you've made peace with God that you shouldn't walk out those doors with the excitement to go spread the gospel of peace to those around you and those in the world. Let's go ahead and bow our heads, close our eyes in a word of prayer.